we sang it today, and I'm blown away by the fact that the very last song is kind of the, the whole thing that I'm speaking about. But back in November, um, I was just in the kitchen, messing around, messing up my kitchen, and um, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Faye, King's Church is a house of rescue, it's a house of restoration, and it's a house of release. And I thought about that, and I thought, wow. You know, our church, along with countless other churches around the globe, we're houses of rescue, we're houses of restoration, and we're houses of release as well. And I was reminded of a story um, that happened a number of years ago when Daniel um, was just in school. And Dave was picking up the kids one day from school. And in the school, they've got like a a bit of a gated um, or fenced off area with all metal fencing because we've got like an overflow from the mountain, like mountain stream running through the underneath of um, of the school ground. So consequently, you've got this gated area and you can see this pipe just chucking out water. Some days there's not so much, but it's Wales, so what you know in Wales is some days it's gushing. And Daniel one day was on his way out of school and he saw this little teddy bear in in between the metal gates and the metal bars of the fence. And he said to Dave, oh dad, let's rescue the teddy bear. And Dave looked at the teddy bear, and it was stinking, and it was muddy, and it was wet. And he was like, oh, no, Daniel, we're not going to rescue that teddy bear. And he said, oh, Daddy, please, can we rescue the teddy bear? And as he did so, he, he crouched and leaned in to the fence to see if he could reach that teddy bear. But his little arms were not quite big enough. And Dave's like, no, Daniel, we're not going to rescue that teddy bear today, babe. We're going home. And he said, Daddy, please. So Dave, being the good dad that he is reached in to that metal fence and reached and managed to just grab the teddy bear by its little feet and dragged it out of the fence. And Daniel rushed over to pick it up, completely excited. And he embraced this wet, muddy teddy bear to himself And the smile on his face, as well as the girls as they were looking, they were so excited. Dave said it was as if he was completely oblivious to the fact that he was hugging a wet, muddy, dirty teddy bear. But the excitement on Daniel's face, and Dave said he turned around to him and he said, Dad, this would be an awesome Bible illustration, wouldn't it, for preaching? And um, Dave was like, what do you mean? He said, I was like Jesus, wasn't I then, Dad? (laughs) Rescuing that teddy bear and you were like the devil wanting to to leave it there <laughs> in the boat <laughs> which is just awesome but do you know what that is what Jesus is like with us you know that teddy bear was very easy to pass by because it was a leopard actually but you wouldn't have thought you would have thought it was a grizzly bear because it was completely brown and it was muddy and it was sodden and there wasn't really a lot looking good about it to want to stop and rescue it but you know that's what Jesus is all about Jesus is all about coming into our coming into our lives coming into our world coming into sometimes the bars and the fences that we put up and 
block ourselves from because we're concerned that, you know, people may find us unlovable, unwantable. And he comes in and he says, no, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. You know, there's a great scripture in Luke 19 verse 10 from the New Living Translation. And it says this, for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. You know, I looked up the definition of the word seek, and the word seek means to seek, to search for, to desire. You know, Jesus also desires us. He's desired each one of us, and he seeks. You know, there's a whole world out there, and he's seeking our world, even though it's messy, Even though it doesn't look like a bride in a beautiful white wedding dress, it looks a bit like a grizzly bear covered in mud, soaking wet, smelling because it's been left out for ages. But God, Jesus, he says, oh, I'm seeking, I'm looking, I'm searching. You know, the word save, it says the son of man has come to seek and save those who are lost. You know, I love this. The word save means to heal to preserve, to rescue. You know, the Lord showed me, I'm going to make this a house of rescue. I know if we look and were to talk to any one of us in this place, I'm sure the testimonies of God's rescue, the testimonies of how God's come into the messiness of our lives to rescue. And he's taken us. And he says, do you know what? You're mine now. You know, others would pass by. Others would pass by and say, not interested. But it says, the Son of Man, he doesn't do that. You know, we sang it today. To the one who has rescued my soul. To the one who has welcomed me home. To the one who's Savior of all. I'll sing forever. You know, I get amazed to think, Jesus, you've rescued us. But you know, not only has he rescued us, But he also causes our church to be a house of rescue. You know, we are on the greatest rescue mission that there ever has been. There's only one thing. Dave has spoken about it this morning. There's just one thing. There's only one reason why Jesus came to earth. He came to seek and save us. We're lost. We're broken. And he says, oh, I so desperately want to reach them. I so desperately want to reach them. You know, I love how it says in the Bible, in John 20, 21, it says, peace to you, just as my father sent me, I send you. You know, not only does God come and rescue us and take us from where we are, but each to each one of us, he says, come on then. You're enlisted into my army now. And if you want to know, if you want to know what um, the directive is from the commander, let me tell you what it is. As I was sent, so I send you. You know, our church exists to be a house of rescue. Our church exists so that the people that are on the streets right now, the people that are in their houses right now, the people that are in the club still maybe right now, the people that still haven't woken up from the hangover that they're suffering from last night's party, he says, come on, come on, let's go out there. That's our field. That's our field. That's where I want. You know, the Bible says that we're like a city on a hill. 
We get to shine bright. And I look and I think, Jesus, you example rescue so well for us. If we want to know where Jesus wants us to go, just look at where Jesus went. You know, I know, like, in, the thing is with God, and it blows my mind, because his ways are not our ways. You know, and his, the way he does things isn't the way that we would choose to do things. If I was going to choose to go and find somebody, I'd want to go somewhere nice to find them, like the Maldives or somewhere. I would be happy if the Lord sent me to the Maldives in the sun, and I would say, yes, Lord, I will go there. But do you know what? He doesn't do the things that we want to do. He doesn't say, do you know what? We're going to have a little tea party now, and that's where I'm going to send you, and you can enjoy your piece of cake as we go along. Now, sometimes he does it in a tea party. It's not that he can't do it in a tea party, but he says, listen, on my mission, I may take you to places you don't exactly want to go, because we're like the elite here. We're like the SAS, and he says, come on, we're going into missions right now, and if you look at where Jesus sent people, or if you look at where Jesus went... Okay, he went to graveyards. Okay, he went to places where there were men possessed with devils. Do you know what? In our nation right now, there are kids in foster care that have had all sorts of abuse happen to them. And it's like they've got spirits living in them. Well, they have. They've got demonic spirits living in them because of what they've been done. And do you know what our society will do? It'll say, throw you out. You don't fit the mold. Sorry, kid. You deal with it yourself. And Jesus says, no. Come on, we're going in there. You know those kids that are uncontrollable? You know those kids that seem to upset everything? The kids that seem to upset the balance? He says, come on, we're going in there. My power, we've just sang it, it's undefeatable. Why wouldn't we go in there? Why wouldn't we go to the hard places? You know, if you look at Jesus, he went to the place where the woman was thrown. Caught in adultery, messed somebody else's marriage completely right up. Oh yeah, we want to go there. That's really good, isn't it, Lord? I'm the Christian coming dancing in like this to a whole lot of mess. But Jesus, that's where he goes because that's what rescue's about. Rescue isn't just like knocking on the door. Rescue is rescue. What does rescue mean to you? I looked up and if you look at some of the biggest, greatest rescue missions that there ever was, the rescue missions all have to do with taking back people in combat zones, taking back the people that have just completely been like um, besieged or sieged, if that's the right word. Listen, I'm going to try not do the rudder and the udder thing this time. But you know the whole siege thing? But that's where Jesus goes. He says, no, we're a house of rescue. He said, let's go to the prostitute. Let's go to the junkie that's shooting up on drugs. Any idea why that person's shooting up on drugs? Any idea, really? Really? Do you think they want to be shooting up on drugs? Do you think we wouldn't be shooting up on drugs if we weren't going through the things that they're going through? Dave asked one day a person going down kaleidoscope. And he said, what's your story, mate? And that, the person, he's not a kid, he's a grown adult. He said, what happened? Why are you here today? He said, well, do you know what? One day, living in Ringland, playing out on the street with my brother. And I watched him get plowed over by a car and killed. Who wouldn't you up after that? Has anyone told him about Jesus? Has anyone reached out a rescue? You know, sometimes people's lives are messy, and I love that Jesus, he exemplifies rescue so beautifully. He says, I'm not interested in the dirt. I'm not interested in the grime. I'm interested in you. He's interested in each one of us. And you know, this 
this church is a house of rescue. There are people that are earning millions of pounds. They need rescuing as well. They've got to the top of the tree and the stress is so great that they're drinking so much that just to try and get through the next day, they need rescue as much as the person that doesn't have anything. So this spans the whole thing. Don't think that just because people have money, they've got it together. Let me tell you, I went and booked a hotel for me and Hayley when we were going up to Hillsong. Oh, that was a revelation. Right, I went on lastminute.com, right? And we wanted to stay in the travel lodge and the travel lodge was expensive. And I said, tell you what, we'll go on lastminute.com and we'll look at the top secret hotels because like they're cheap and you know, we'll get something, it'll be fine. So anyway, I was so excited on lastminute.com on this top secret hotel where there was this five-star hotel in Leicester Square, right by, like, um, Piccadilly Circus, and it was, like, 79 or £89, five-star hotel. So I was, like, reading, the, like, the blurb a bit, because with top-secret hotels, you don't know where you're going. But if you're clever and you read the blurb a bit, you can then search on the search engine and try and find out. So it said this Leicester Square hotel had, a, you know, a sauna and all of that. So I was looking, and I was like... I know which one it is. And it was right above the M&M store. So I said, come on, Hayley, we're going to book it. So we booked it. Hillsong, we went to a baptism service in Bermondsey, which was amazing. Got there about 10.30 at night, ready to check ourselves in. The Hillsong person was there. And like when you walked in, because it says it's frequented by the stars as well there. So we're like, oh, this is lovely. Oh, we're all posh, you know, when I got my little rucksack on and I'm feeling really cool. So anyway, we, get, we have to go through bounces to get up there, no problem. So at the reception desk, um, they checked us in and I thought, well, this is a bit odd. You know, like normally when you get a key card for like the travel lodge or something, I don't know, it's a picture of the bedroom. It's like really quite arbitrary, or there's nothing on there, right? Well, this picture on this key card was not quite the same as that. This person had a half-naked person on it. And I was like, oh. So anyway, we got into the lift, and then I started getting really concerned. (laughs) Because it had, like, leather padding going down it and velvet. And then we got out of the lift, and, like, all of the, like, walls are black and, like, velvety... And I was just like, I don't know if there's going to be somebody waiting for us in the room when we get there, right? Now, I'm embarrassed now because, like, I'm a pastor of the church, like, and I've just got Hillsong with me and Haley with me, and I think we got a bargain at £79. So, like, we walk into, we walk into this room, right? Oh, the, the, the pictures were not worth saying about because they were naughty. Like, not naughty, like, but they were not normal. Like, they weren't normal. I can, that's all I can describe. They weren't, we opened the shower and there was a pole in the middle of the shower. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a Christian girl. I was brought up Christian. I've never done anything like this. And then there was just one bed. <laughs> and we're like, like, oh... And Hayley's like, oh, we need to ring up and ask if they got a twin room. So I rang up. I'm like, oh, um, like, have you got um, twin beds, please? Because we've just been given, um, like, one bed. And they said, oh, sorry, that's the only bed we've got. And I'm like, well, the thing is, we're not like that. Um, 
so Hayley said, ask for an extra duvet. So I was like, can we just have an extra duvet then? So I rang Dave, and I was like, oh, Dave, I don't know what I've brought myself into here. Um, so Dave said, go and ask him when you go down to... Because we hadn't eaten, it was half ten, we're right in Chinatown, we hadn't eaten, so we were going to get some food. He said, go and ask him. So I walked down, and I should have thought it was odd, because they were dressed like in like these weird clothes as well. So anyway, I went up to them, and as we're getting out of the lift, Emma Bunton is coming, right? So she's down there, so we've met the stars and everything. We haven't waved or anything, because it didn't matter to us. But I just, I was like, oh, thank you. I said, um... She said, is everything okay with your room? I said, well, it's not quite what I was expecting. I said, right. I said, can I ask you what your core values are? <laughs> and the lady looked at me and said, pardon? I said, can I just ask you, like, what are the core values of your company? Because I'm just, like, thinking, I've never been to a hotel that feels quite like this before. And I'm just wondering, and she said, well, you should have checked. I said, I did check, and it didn't say anything about this. But I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been surprised because it talked about a personalised service, right? So that might have given it away, but I thought it just meant they were going to be really hospitable. But the reason why I tell you that... And the whole lot of mess that's going on in Leicester Square is completely the same in this five-star hotel with a personalised service as the people that are sat in the cardboard boxes asking for money. So if you want to know what rescue is, it spans age, it spans wealth, it spans everything. But he says we're a house of rescue. So let's make sure we poise ourselves as the church to be a house of rescue. Do you know the simple things that we can do? We can pray. Oh, we can pray. Pray that the Lord guides our steps. Pray that the Lord guides our mouths. Pray that we get, you know, he says that he walks before us. He lights our life. Um, he lights our, the path before us. Let's pray. And when the people that come in that steal the handbags that you leave on your chairs, because they do, just remember it's a house of rescue. So just try and get, like if you're a girl, try and get a bag that goes over your shoulders. And if you're a boy, maybe chain your wallet in your thing because actually if Jesus was here now that's what we would be attracting he would be attracting all sorts and that's really good because that means the people are happy to come into the place where Jesus was Jesus where went where the sinners were what a great compliment when we've got people coming off the streets wanting to be here because that means they don't feel pushed out they don't feel ostracized but they feel comfortable and whilst God is doing something in them we may just have some bags stolen so make sure you're just aware of it there we go This house is also a house of restoration. And over the months, Dave has preached on restoration from Psalm 23. If you're wondering what restoration is, I encourage you to listen to those messages. But do you know what? I don't want to be too long on that because we've talked about it. But Jesus doesn't leave us where we are. See, he doesn't leave us where we are. It's one thing to be a house of rescue, which is amazing. But Jesus doesn't say, right, you stay in that state. You know what Daniel did as soon as he got home from rescuing that teddy bear? 
he put him in the washing machine. And you started seeing all of the mud coming out. And he may have had to go through a few cycles because he'd been there in that little muddy, watery pool for a long time. But Jesus is exactly the same with us. This house is a house of restoration. Do you know what? Sometimes God does a quick thing and other times he just does stuff slow. He's in no rush. He loves you and I. And if you say, but Faye, I'm still failing there. That's okay. Because you've given your life to him. He's in control now. Let the restorer of your soul restore your soul. You don't have to restore your soul. He does it. And if anybody has ever restored furniture before, you'll know that if you take a piece of furniture and you want to restore it, the first thing that you have to do is begin to remove the grime and the dirt and the buildup of life that has embedded itself in the chair or the table. And that's exactly what Jesus does with us. He just takes his time and he says, okay, let's gently restore you. He doesn't hacksaw you. He doesn't like do he doesn't put you in the washing machine although we did that with Daniel's teddy bear. He doesn't do it so that your brains feel like you're falling out as you're going around and around. He doesn't do that. He just gently restores your soul. So this house is a restoration um, a house of restoration. So can I encourage you if you're here today and you say, "Faye, I know I've been rescued. I do know I've been rescued. But I'm feeling like I'm not the complete package. I feel like there's areas in my life that are still damaged and they're still broken and maybe they just look a bit mucky and a bit dirty. I just want to encourage you. Jesus, he loves you and he's going to do it in his time. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel condemned. Don't try and compare yourself with the person next to you and say, well, they became a Christian like one month before me and they seem a bit further on in the process than I do. What am I doing wrong? What have I done wrong? Why aren't I where they are? No, you don't have to compare. You don't have to compare yourself. You're unique and God's restoration of you is unique for you. Just like God's restoration of the person next to you is unique to that person. So God wants to restore you. He will restore you. Keep on coming, but don't feel bad. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. He doesn't love me as much as the other person because I'm not further down the line. That's okay. Just let the master craftsman restore you because he knows what's best for you and he doesn't want to harm you and he doesn't want to hurt you through the process of restoration. So our house is a house of rescue. Our house is a um, house of restoration. And the final one, and it's really what I feel that has fitted in with what Dave is preaching, is our house is a house of release. You know, Dave has been preaching um, from John 8, 36, who the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, and I really felt back in November that the Lord say that this year for people in our church was going to be a year of release, a release from the cage. Dave's preached about it, about Joey in the bird's cage, limited. But Jesus today wants you to know this is your year of release. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And he doesn't want us to have to live um, a limited life. You know, when you go out in the world, 
world, when you're with your family, when you're with your friends, when you're with your work colleagues, they may place limitations on you because they know your past, they know what you're capable of, they know your education and they know your bank balance. And because of it, they limit you and they say, well, you can't do that. You can't do that or you won't be as good as her in that. And they put limitations on you. But I want to declare to you that there is a name that's above all names that we get to listen to. And if he says who the sun sets free is free indeed, he really does mean it. You know, I look at the re- meaning of re- um, release. Release means to allow or enable to escape from confinement. He doesn't want you to be confined. He doesn't want you living your life in a box. Why do we live our lives in boxes that people put around us? He doesn't want us to. He says, no, set free. He says, no, you're set free. There's no confinement. My boundaries are limitless. If I say they'll do this, they'll do this. You know, it's a, a release means to allow, to move, to act, or to freely flow. You know, I look at the Bible, and I'm so encouraged to see the release that God chooses. He chooses highly unlikely people to do highly unlikely things, to give his name highly unlikely praise and honor and glory. If you were to have a look at it, look at Noah. If you're going to build a boat, you go to a boat builder. That's what we do. No, God doesn't. He says, do you know what? I'm going to choose a highly unlikely person, Noah, to do a highly unlikely thing, build a boat, even though Noah's never seen rain. Okay, so that's a bit unusual. And, you know, the, the day would, would have confined him. The day, the people of the day would have said, how can you do that? You don't know what a boat looks like. But God says, no, freely flow, no confinement. If I want to choose Noah, and if I want to do something, I'll do it. If you have a look at Nahum, oh, look at Gideon. Gideon was hiding in a wine press. His family were the least in the nation, and he was the least of that in that family. But God never went to somebody when he was looking for that nation to be delivered. He never looked for the army major. He never looked for the captain. He never looked for the family that had all the money that was the one that seemed to be in control of the whole town where he lived. No, he says, I'm going to go to the least likely of the least place. I'm going to use the unlikely things and watch what I'm going to do. And you see that God used Gideon. He took him and he used Gideon to deliver a nation. Look at Nehemiah. He was not a civil engineer. Nehemiah was asked by the Lord to rebuild a wall. And do you know what God gives him to rebuild the wall? It's not the best deals. It's not the new other bricks. They come straight from the clay works. No, he says, see this rubbish has been accumulating. You can use that. I'm going to use that to build a wall because they say it can't be done. But let me tell you, when the God of heaven says it can be done, and he used a man that was not a civil engineer. He had no wall building experience, but he says, no, there's no confinement with God. There's no confinement. And he uses a man that knew nothing to do a job that he didn't feel equipped to do using materials that weren't really very good to use. And yet God uses him to build a wall around Jerusalem. I want to encourage you. I so want to encourage you that he wants you to be released. God wants you to be released in this place. You know, Nehemiah 4.6, there's a great key and a great example to why Nehemiah and his team that he chose did what they did. And it says this, for the people had a mind to work. Do you know what? 
God's just looking for willing people to say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't have the skills. Don't have the experience. But you know what? I've got to trust in the faith in the God. Do anything. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Count me in, Jesus. Do you know what? In this place, there are gifts and there are talents in each one of you. Now, for some people here, you say, Faye, I know what my talents are. I know what God's gifted me with. And for others, you're like, Faye, I haven't got a clue. I don't even think God's given me a gift or a talent. Can I encourage you, if you know what your gift and talent is, or if you don't, sow it into the house of God. You know, Dave said, we've spoken about it time and time again. There's only one thing that God is building, and that's his kingdom. I know gifts and talents are brilliant, and you can use them to maybe build your career, but that's not why God's given you the gift or the talent. It's not for your career. It's not for your enjoyment. He says he needs, he's given it to you because you need it in what he's building. And if you're not there, oh, we miss out. The house of God misses out if you choose not to release your gift and talent into this place. You know, if we turn to 1 Peter 4.10. Oops, I got my Bible upside down. 1 Peter 4.10, it says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Okay, so each of you. So we're all in this. And it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, which means that God has given you a gift. You may not know it yet, but your gift is there. And what does he say to do? He says, use it to serve others. And then it goes on to say, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know, God is building his kingdom here on earth. And that scripture is talking all in the context of the church. And there are gifts and talents. Do you know what a gift can be? You could be an encourager. You know somebody that smiles at somebody when they're petrified walking into church for the first time? You could be the person that says, hey, come and sit by me. You could be that person. You may say, do you know what? I am awesome at cleaning. Don't ask me. I mean, I've done it and I can do it, but I'm not great at it. But other people are really good at it. And you say, Faye, a speck of dust don't go past my eyes without me noticing it. Well, fantastic. Let's use it in the kingdom. You may be here and say, Faye, I'm great at just practical things. You know, God says, whatever gift and talent that you have, use it to serve others, which is in the context of the church. Use it because do you know what? The Bible likens us, each one of us, to a body. And that's found in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He talks and refers to us as a body. And he says each part of the body is so important. And there's not one body and um, part of the body that's more important than the other. And that's what we are. We're not a hotel. The church isn't a hotel. It's a home. The church is a home where we come and we, we plant ourselves. We say, yeah, this is where I am. I'm getting my duvet out. I'm doing my washing here. This is a home. You stay, you reside. But he refers to us as a body. And do you know what? Anyone will know because we're all living in bodies. When your body is functioning well and when every part of the body is functioning, things are easy. But have you ever stubbed your toe? I have. My gosh, it flipping hurts. When you stub your toe, it hurts. And what do you do as a result of your toe hurting? 
you start hobbling because your toe all of a sudden isn't able to do what it was meant to do. And do you know what? You can get by for a while hobbling, but if you keep on hobbling, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to put undue strain on other parts of the body. And then you're going to end up with your legs starting to hurt because you've been compensating for your toe because that's not working properly. And all of a sudden now you're all clammed up with your leg. And then you cause injury to yourself. It's like that with us as a church. If we don't all choose to function, then it's putting undue pressure and stress in other parts of the body. Have you ever looked at people in church maybe and said, my gosh, they're running around like a madman. They're doing everything. Ever wondered why? Well, it is good for your body, Kane, but it's not what I was thinking. The what I was thinking was that the reason that they may be running around is because there's another part of the body that said, I'm not going to function. So other parts of the body says, okay, well, you're not going to function, so I'll jump in. And then you end up with other parts of the body carrying a load because they're so desperate for that body to function because they know that the body needs to function, but it does, it begins to put strain on them. Let me encourage you. This church is going to grow. And I say that because God is the master builder and he has a rescue plan for this city and it has to grow. If it's not growing, we may as well shut the doors because we're doing something wrong and God's not building it. And that's not happening. We're seeing people coming in week after week. The house is growing. But that means that what an awesome privilege now that each one of us has a, a place in that growth. Because what happens when it starts to grow and nobody else comes forward and says, I'll help. It's going to start causing pressure and stress on the other people that are saying, I'm trying my best. And all of a sudden, the people that are working so hard are going to become weary and fatigued. And there's no need for it to be. So can I encourage you? You know, if you're here, like I remember, I've been helping in church since I was like 12. I came to the church like when I was 12. So that's 25 years ago. And I feel really ancient saying that because I still think in my head, I'm the youth of the church. But anyway, I came when I was 12 and I've helped out in the crash. And I've helped out in um, praise and worship. And I used to help out in Creative Academy for the younger ones. And I've been in choir. And I've been in, and I've been in the drama team. And I've been out on the streets witnessing. And I've done stuff. Do you know what? I've just thought, do you know what? I'm in. God's given his best for me. I, I can't help but give my best to him. If he's given me 100%, Jesus, I'm not going to say 10%, nothing more, Lord. I want everything from you, but I am going to limit my life. No, I'm in. Because I think, Jesus, you've given me 100%. I'm going to give you 100%. And do you know what I found? Some of the places that I've gone to help out, maybe I haven't had great skill and talent in those areas, but the people alongside of me have encouraged me. And they said, you can do it. And they've made me feel so welcome. And I've moved on to other things. So if I say to you today, you know, don't worry if you think, I don't know what I'm good at. There is a gift residing in you. And we get the great opportunity of uncovering that here in the local local church and all you need to do is say hands up like Nehemiah and his guys we've got a mind to work we're going to move and work with enthusiasm and with all your heart that's what one of the scriptures says about Nehemiah 4 6 it says for the people worked with enthusiasm and with all their heart so I encourage you get involved this is the year of release for you 
This is the year of God's release. And I also saw, just as I was out in my garden the other day, I watched a little bird. And I watched this little bird, and it didn't want to leave the nest. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, do you know what? There's people in this place today, and they're scared of leaving the nest. You're scared of stepping out because you're scared that something could go wrong, or you're scared of failing, or you're scared that you're not going to be quite so good as the person sat next to you. And so you think, well, it's easier to stay in the nest because it's comfortable there, and I don't want to fall. But you know what? I love it. You know, you may have stepped out in your past before, and you've done something new, and you've gone slap, flat on your face, and you've had people laugh at you, And you've had people say words to you and you thought, I'm never going to do that again. I stepped out once and look what happened. But can I encourage you? This is the house of God and it's so different to what's out there. And each of us have been shown grace. And you know what? I love that the Bible talks about his grace and mercy follows us. You know, I was thinking about the times when I've really messed up with things but that's okay because he's like running around like with, um, you know, like a dustpan and brush cleaning up my mess because grace and mercy follows me. You know the 9,000 Easter eggs at Easter? Oh man, I felt so inadequate. I was so busy doing other stuff. I forgot to announce out about Easter eggs. And I said to the Lord, oh, I've messed up. I've messed up Jesus and I haven't given people enough time to bring their Easter eggs in. And you know when, like, you're thinking, oh, I've really messed up. And out of a church of a few hundred people and you get a hundred Easter eggs, you think, Lord, I know it's not the the lack of generosity of the people. I know that it's just that I've messed up and not given them enough time. Do you know what Jesus does? Give it to me. You think that you've messed up. My grace and my mercy is going to follow you. There you go. You think you're inadequate. Well, Let's give you 9,000. Just to let you know, since Easter, we've been given another 40,000 Easter eggs ready for next year. I'm like this. Oh, my gosh. So, like, he doesn't need us to be strong. He's the strong one. He just needs us to move, and he'll clean up after us if we mess up. But I want to encourage you, if you're like the little bird in the nest and you feel afraid of flying, what if I fall to my feet? What if the other, others laugh at me because I'm not so good? What if this? What if that? The Holy Spirit wants you to say, no, no, no. I've not created you to live in a nest. I've created you to fly. And do you know what? When I watch those little birds flying, they're and they're swooping and they're having such fun. He's not created you with confinements. He's not created you with limitation. God wants you to fly. And the best way that you can learn to fly is when you step out, out of the nest, in the house of God, and you say, do you know what? I'm going to serve, because I'm serving, not because it's all about me, but because I'm like, Jesus, you tell us to serve. You tell us to use the gifts that we've got to serve others. I've got a gift, may not know what it is yet, but I'm going to do what you say, and you'll be amazed what he does. Because in Luke, um, not Luke, 1 Peter um, 4, this is just interesting. It says, for each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. God gives gifts, but he doesn't give faithfulness. That's our job. God gives us a gift, but he says, okay, now you have got to faithfully steward that. Do you know what? If you look at the parable of the talents in Matthew, it talks about the, when the, oh, um, 
whatever we call it is, the landowner or whatever, gave them all talents. Some went away and did stuff. And the one guy is like, no, I'm going to hide it. He, do you know, I'm not going to do anything. It says that that owner removed that and he gave him to the one who had. Do you know what I used to do, right? I'm not a great singer, but oh, I love to sing. And I remember being in... Um, school choir and we were in France and I was sat at the front of the bus because I get travel sick which is so embarrassing because I always got to sit by the teachers but anyway I sat on the front of the bus and my teacher Mr Jones looked over to me and he said Faye do you know what I love about you I said what's that Mr Jones he said you haven't got the great voice the greatest of voices he said but you're so passionate and reliable you're so passionate and reliable and I was like Okay, now I'm blushing because he's told me I've not got a great voice. But do you know what I did? I remember, it didn't stop me. That person used that word to maybe limit me. But I was like, do you know what? I'm going to sing all the more. And I don't care if I've not got a great voice. That's just what I'm going to do. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I haven't got a great voice. But if there are people sat in the congregation and they've got a great voice and they're not using it for you, can I have it? I would. I would be like, well, if they're not doing it, I'm doing what I can with my little throw it over here Jesus I'll have it and don't don't think if you think you're sat there with all your gifting you think well I'm not giving it just wait and see the little person next to you who's doing something just watch what God will do it's so interesting to whom much is given much is expected anyway I reckon I'm done so just relax in this release which really felt was the emphasis of this God wants to release you into new things He really does. You know, like a child that learns to pour a glass of milk for the first time? It's a bit scary when they're like, carton is like three quarters full, and you're watching them like shake. But you know what? You've got to let the kid do it. You've got to release them to have a go. And then mum and dad, if it goes a bit wrong and the milk goes all over the place, well, we just mop up like grace and mercy and encourage and say, hey, babe, well done. We'll try again next time. It's exactly the same with Jesus. So just to encourage you, we are here to champion you. If you don't know what your gift or talent is, just get involved. We can get you involved because he so desperately wants you to be part of his master plan. Do you know, I'm just going to pray right now. You may be in this place and you think, oh, it's quite interesting what you've said, Faye. But I'm kind of a bit stuck at that rescue bit. I don't feel I've been rescued. I feel like I'm that teddy bear, sodden, full of mud. I feel I'm disconnected. And I've watched a lot of people walk past my life because they've thought my life's not worth rescuing. And I'm really interested to hear that there could be a God in heaven, the one that created the heavens of the earth, that says that my life is worth rescuing. If that's you today, I would so love to invite you into a relationship with my best friend. You know, God is the creator of the universe, but he calls us friends. And he loves you and I so much. And if you're in here today, Jesus wants you. So if you're here and you say, Faye, I want to be found. I want to be rescued. We're just going to close our eyes right now. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer to invite you to come to know my best friend, Jesus. And you can just repeat this after me. Jesus. Thank you that you come to rescue. Jesus, 
I know that I'm a sinner. I know my life's a mess. But thank you for what I've heard today, that you would come to take my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And today, I'd like to invite you to be my best friend. I'm excited for the journey I've got ahead with you, Jesus, as my best friend. If you said that prayer right now, if you just want to lift your hand in the air, we've got some of our team, and we would just love to give you a Bible and just chat with you. Because God is so interested in you. And if you haven't put your hand up, but you say, oh, do you know what? I'd like to know more. Come and see me at the end. Or Dave, as we'd love to just chat with you right now. So Lord, we thank you that you are on a a rescue mission. Lord, we thank you. You don't leave our lives where you find them. But Lord, you restore us. And Lord, then from that restoration, Lord, you want our lives to be released. For the sun sets free, is free indeed. Lord, you don't want our life to be a life full of contain, that's contained. But Lord, you want our life to be released, to enrich other people. So Lord, I just pray for everybody here today. Lord, I pray that people would feel encouraged at the fact that they've got a gift and a talent and an ability given by you to serve this church in building your kingdom. So Lord, I just pray that you would just help us untap that rich potential in people's lives. Amen.